Tandem Nomads, episode 116. You go through a transition, you can understand yourself and get to know yourself better. You really get to see yourself. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow your portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Amel Deregi. I'm a marketing and business coach and your host in the show. So in this journey of moving from a country to another, we try to do our best to integrate and transition from a culture to another. And that's an important aspect when we try to build our businesses on the move, because at the end of the day, we also want to make the best of that experience in that country. And it becomes part of our identity to be people on the move. So I wanted to bring to you one of the best experts and great writer about this topics of transition and identity as expats and when global nomads, Jerry Jones. So Jerry, welcome to the Tandem Nomad Show. And are you ready for this ride? Oh my, Amel. I'm looking forward to this. I'm really excited about this. Me too. Thanks so much for coming in the show. So Nomad Nation, if you don't know Jerry Jones yet, Jerry Jones is an American transition specialist uh, with the company Leadership Development International. And he lives with his wife and two children in Qingdao, China. Did I pronounce it well? Close enough. Yeah, you're Tell me enough. how do I pronounce that? It's it's Qingdao. 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 Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair though. It, it's it it doesn't use traditional spelling. All right. So um so Jerry, you provide training and coaching for individuals, families, schools, and companies who are wrestling through the challenges of life and work in cross-cultural context. So uh, Nomad Nation, Jerry also writes and develops resources designed specifically for the expat world. He loves to dig deep into the nuances, and you'll see it today, of discovering joy and rhythm in the chaos of transition and change. His work can be found on the cultureblend.com. So Jerry, I would love you to tell us before we dig deep into the topics of transition where you can share with us some of your tips and help our uh, global nomads to deal with transition. Um, could you take us through your own transition on the move? How did you, uh, what kind of transition did you go to yourself personally with your family and how did that go for you? You know, it's, it's such an interesting question because at, at this point, it's, I think, the the question I have then is is which one uh, which transition because mm -hmm. it's just been a it's been ongoing it's um, when we started this thing it was my wife and I and our our three year old daughter uh, and and she just turned fifteen and since then we've we've lived in uh, three different cities in China uh, we've repatriated we went back to the states for two years and then we I don't even know how you say it we we re-expatriated. Uh, we, we came back to China after that two years. Before that, we spent a year uh, adopting our son. Uh, and during that time, we were back in the States. And so we've been, there's been so much back and forth and so many new places and uh, adjustments, transitions that, it, and each one has taken on its own life. It, it, it carries with it all the characteristics of, of, transition but it's it's been completely different based on the uh the, the differences in our family and and as we have grown our 
our experiences have have changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, so actually, I want to I want to jump on what you said briefly about the transitions you went through in your family because I think on top of the culture transitions. Yeah. You have been through repatriating, expatriating, moving in completely different cultures than yours. You also went through an interesting transition in your own family, and you write about it so beautifully in your blog. Could you please take us through that? I don't want to. I would love it to hear it from your words. What do you mean by that transition in your family? Yeah. Um, so, just I, I think the the reality of. Uh, the reality of doing this adventure, doing this life together is that you, you get to experience different versions of the same people over, mm -hmm. over time. And so like that, that kid that got married when he was 23 years old, um, is a, is a, it's a completely different person. That was half of my life ago. That was a long time ago. And so my wife has actually gotten different versions of me uh, over our time together. And then our family in the same way, like it was, it was the two of us and we're doing life together and we're figuring things out. And then all of a sudden we've got this little girl and, um, and, uh, we, we went through the process. We adopted her from China and we, we lived in America and we adopted her from China. And, and so like there, that was a major transition and it was a different version of us. We, we became a different thing as the three of us. And then six years later, we, we had moved to China and we adopted this little boy from America. And, and so we just, we do things Amazing. the hard way all the time. Yeah. Um, but it was like, okay, now here's a, here comes a different version of our family. This is, this is who we are with this little boy. Um, and then all of that kind of uh, put it or like wrapped up in the context of, of cross-cultural transition. And so we're, uh, we're learning to be expats. We're learning to be foreigners uh, with this little girl who is Chinese and yet not. And so everyone around us goes to her and talks to her and thinks, uh, hey, can you speak for your family? And she's, she's just confused because she only speaks English. And, wow. um, and then we, and then, yeah, and then it happens again with this little boy who he's, uh, he's his, his birth father was African-American. His birth mother was Caucasian. So um, he just, he, he looks different than all of us. And so we're this walking freak storm. We just, we, we don't look normal here. Um, and so in all of that, there's this nuance of becoming different as a family and changing. And now we're growing. We've got, we've got a teenager, we've got a high schooler, we've got um, this, this little boy who's navigating third grade and, um, and so it's like the story is just constantly changing the, the narrative around all of it, of who we are, uh, is just completely different and it never, never stops. Absolutely fascinating, Jerry. Really. I've always been fascinated by your own family story and on top of the complexity of culture transition and repatriation, re-expatriation, on top of it, as you explained so beautifully, you have made some amazing choices to adopt and adopt like you know from different cultures and different backgrounds and so the complexity of the transition that you have been through as a family is just so beautiful and I cannot think of a better expert than you to talk about transition I don't think it's a coincidence that now you became an expert on, on this matter so um, what would be there's so many questions I want to ask you about your personal experience but let's go maybe more um, 
and so in general, and maybe sometimes you could like illustrate with your own experience if you want, but what would be for you, there's so many challenges that can come with these transitions on in different cultures. What are, when you work with people about this, what are the biggest challenges you see that people struggle with when they transition from a culture to another, but also when they try to sell yeah. in a place? Yeah. Um, I, I, there's so many, right? There's, mm. there's just, and they're so, they're so nuanced and they're so unique to the individual, to the family, everyone. I, I and I think that's, um, I think one of the big challenges is that, we, we can we can prepare ourselves we can get ready for the the big change but we have to do that based on something we have to do that based on information that we can draw from other sources we can talk to people who have done this before we can I mean, i'm talking about before we we make a transition um we can read books we can youtube every video uh, we can find out a lot of things but we can never get specific. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we can understand that maybe, uh, for example, we can understand, we can go to a training and someone can tell us that uh, one, of the, one of the biggest challenges is actually relational. Uh, so the, the reason people struggle is not always because of the, those specific pieces of culture. It's not eating with chopsticks or your hands or, or even speaking a different language, although th those can be major major transitions, um, a, a lot of times what it is, is it's the person on your team that drives you crazy. It's their personality. It's, it's their own transition. And as they go through their experience and that bumps into yours, uh, that's, that's challenging. So you can learn that at the training before you go abroad. Um, but you don't have a face and a name and a situation yet. And when you run into that situation and when you meet this guy and he does something really annoying or painful or frustrating, then you've got your story and that's what you take home with you. And then that all smashed together with the realities mm. of the stuff they told you about at the training, mm. the, uh, the, you know, the culture shock or the culture stress or the, uh, the, the, the overflowing cup and the, the, the different things that, that you were prepared for when it gets specific. Um, that's when kind of the rubber meets the road and, and it, and it gets, uh, really challenging. So what I hear from what you're saying is that, um, Okay, I'm interpreting with my words, so correct me, but yeah, yeah, what please, I hear please. is that, okay, there are a lot of tools out there to prepare a transition. There's a lot of trainings and a lot of tools, but once we get to the practicalities of it and once we get to the facts of it and we are in the midst of it, that's a whole ball, different ball game. Are you saying right, that? Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and don't hear me say that the trainings aren't important, that the preparation isn't important. I, I think, um, ab, uh, first of all, that's my job. So <laughs> let's, let's, don't, uh, <laughs> let's don't get those people fired. Uh, but, but, uh, but they, they can only go so far, right? You can prepare the, the general idea and you can, um, you can get into the broad stroke transitions that all of us go through. But when you, when you actually arrive and then you have all of the details that, that kind of fill in the, the blanks mm -hmm. uh, that comes with those, those trainings and that preparation, that's when it gets real. And then uh, like maybe another layer added to that is, is your own 
personality. And, and so you can explore that before you go through a transition. You can understand yourself and get to know yourself better. Um, but you really get to see yourself when you are in transition. And you get to see the – it's not always the best version. It's, oh, yeah. it's rarely the best version of yourself. Um, yeah. That's interesting. You know, uh, you, you know, I want to come back on the fact that we don't need training because at the end – it's, I, no, that's not. I did not say that. You did not say that. And actually, I want to emphasize on that because it's hard. Yeah. It's already difficult enough when we're prepared. So let's imagine when we're not. So this is how I would put yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, so um, that's for sure. So I actually think that people are not enough trained. It's not that of a common thing to get trained, to be honest with you. In our field, yeah, we have, right, right. And because we deal with these fields, we have the feeling that it's a common thing. And I can tell you, it's not. People are not preparing yeah, right. enough their moves. And this is why it yeah. leads to a lot of tensions in the family. And I think at the end of the day, I'm interested in how, uh, how do we build, quote unquote, balance? Or the, again, I don't believe in balance, but how do we make that transition smoother for us as right. parents, as kids, and as entrepreneurs who try to manage all of this while running a business and going through a transition. So, But I think what we need now is more very practical um, examples of things that can get you crazy in the middle of a transition <laughs> and how right. we can get, like you said, we can, the worst of us can come up. And yeah. I, can, I can put my self here on the spotlight just showing you that it's been now four years yes please four years that i'm in the u.s <laughs> and uh i think that my transition to new york was one of the most difficult transition my whole life and i've been moving my whole life and i think what i've yeah. realized was i didn't i did not expect it and this is why it hit me so hard first of all yeah. i spoke the language i felt no pressure i was like this is going to be easy peasy because I speak English. I've been living in America and I live culture of America and I have a, okay, I don't have an American accent, but I'm close to an American accent more than a British one for sure. So I was like, there's no way I will like have any issues there. And my marketing background and it's my place, you know, and I came out and it hit sure. me so bad. Yeah. It hit me so bad. First of all, I learned one thing was, um, there's an expression that the Germans and the Austrians exchange is like the, the, um, our biggest uh, difference and our, uh, the biggest thing that separates us is our common language. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and that's so good. Because I speak English like such a, like a local in New York. People would not understand that I'm actually not from here and I did not get all the customs. For example, people who tell you, Oh, let's have lunch. I say, oh, great. So, are you available Wednesday? And people will, like look at you. Oh my God, she's bushy. I'm like, what? <laughs> like here, if you say let's have lunch, it doesn't mean we'll have lunch. It just means I like right. you, but I don't know. Let's see. You know. <laughs> so, um, right. I had so many stories like that, and and my expectations were so high that I was really mad. I was really mad at people here, and yeah. and I would tell them things so openly that I get, I think, a lot of enemies and people who did not like me my first year in New York. So like you said, it brought the worst part of my character. And in right. time, that has also affected my business because I was not the best, um, the best me in a way. So sure. fix me. <laughs> what should I do? <laughs> 
No, I, I can't fix you. Um, I can resonate with you. Uh, I can, because I, I think of all of those transitions that I just spoke about, the hardest one for me was, was going back to, uh, to the place that I was most familiar with. When we, when we moved back to America, it was, um, and, and that's where I grew up. I don't have the, I've been moving my whole life. I haven't been doing transition my whole life. We, our, our first major transition was China. And yet when we went back to the States, uh, it was that same thing that you just said of, I didn't expect it to be so challenging. I, I thought I was going back to what I knew for the first time in seven years, I could read everything. I could understand everything. I could talk to everybody. And that made the incompetence feel so much bigger. It's like, I'm supposed to be, this is where I should be more competent than ever. And certainly more than I have been mm. in China, but I don't know where to find groceries unless somebody tells me this is a new city. It's a new place. It's a, and I, and I just, all those little itty bitty things. I couldn't remember how to use my debit card. I, uh, it was these little bitty things that were, were inflated. When, when I moved to China, that's expected. And everyone looking at me expects me to be the foreigner and, and thinks, well, this guy, of, of course, he doesn't know anything. He's not supposed to know anything. Uh, but but then when I'm with my people, there was no, yeah, there was no grace. There was no understanding of why I am so ignorant. Mm. And wrapping my head around that was so, really, really painful. So what so, did you do to deal with it? As, as a professional, yeah. what would you also encourage others to do in this situation? Yeah, I, I think for us, the the absolute best thing that we did. And, and I know sometimes this is hard. Sometimes this is not as accessible. We were incredibly blessed to have people in our lives that got us. Um, and so there's, there's a sense of sometimes those people are there. Sometimes they're not there, but as soon as you can find those people, find other people who have uh, experienced transition. It doesn't have to be the same transition. It doesn't have to be people who've lived in the same country or countries that you have. Um, but find the people and go go fishing for the people who who know what it's like to have questions that they feel like they can't answer because they should know the answer to already. To feel just completely stupid and ignorant in their own space. And those people are out there. Those people are in most places and more and more, I think there are people who can resonate with that and, and understand that. Um, sometimes you have to go looking for them and, and, uh, it's generally like my experience has been, it's, it's not always in the places that you expect to find them. So maybe your, your closest friends from before or your closest friends uh, around, um, or, or even your family may not be the people who really resonate with your experience and understand, what it's what it's like and what the pain is, uh, but there are there are people out there, and if you can, uh, I don't know, like a, a a small tip is when we when we come back from China, we often get the the question, oh, how was China, um, or you were in China, how was that? And and there's this sense that they want us to to summarize all of our experience the last twelve years in China in a sentence or two. And so we do that. Like we, uh, we summarize it because if, if you don't really want to hear, mm. uh, the, the fullness of that answer, then I'm not going to bore you with that. I've bored way too many people by, by trying to talk too much. Yeah. And so 
So we give a, a, a short answer that draws them in and gives them an opportunity to ask more. So yeah, you know what? It's, it was really great. And it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, maybe 80% of the people will be like, hmm, okay, and they can move on and and be done with it. And but somebody is going to ask, they're, they're going to say, Oh, really, what was what was hard about it? And then we could give a few more sentences and and, and just a, a, a three sentence answer, and then a two paragraph answer. And then once they have continued to ask questions, th- those are the people who are going to, to resonate. Those are the people that are going to connect. Um, and probably want to hear your story. And they're also the people who have great stories themselves. Um, and I, I think a point that is often missed for the, uh, for the repatriate uh, is we're often, like it's really, it's really common to feel that sense of, oh, I thought people would want to hear my stories. Uh, but to ask ourselves the question, do, do we want to hear theirs as well? And are we willing to sit down and listen and to ask questions and to, to dig into their story? Because even if they stayed in the same spot, even if it's your, your family who hasn't moved at all, um, life happened and they've got stories too. And, and so just because we got to be the ones who, who lived abroad doesn't mean that they don't have great stories you're, as well. You're touching on to something so interesting because I know um, – it's funny, we don't talk about it so much, but I can see it in some of the groups we're in and conversation I've had. We expect people to be interested uh, in a meaningful and deeper way in our experiences. Right. And uh, <clears throat> and I love that you brought up this, like, first just say, summarize it. And if people want to know more, they'll make sure that they'll show you that they want to know more. So yeah. go deeper only if somebody asks more. And if not, it's okay. And let's not forget yeah. that the that our families back home, for example, or friends back home, they have, they have that, like you said, their own life to go with. And, and we have to be careful to not have this um, feeling that we're living something exceptional that's worth listening to, that we don't have that, um, that behavior in a way. But you know what's interesting yeah. in our conversation um, in this first part is that we're focusing a lot on the, on the basically our roots. Like what does it say? Um, everything we've been discussing here is about repatriation, is about what does it mean to our friends? How do we mm-hmm. actually... And yeah. I think that the reason it comes up is because our experience is... is is in a way touching our identities and the where and the one place where we go to check it, check in with our identities back home or back with our family. Let's say, let's say back home, although that back home is really difficult to call home per se, but but where the roots are. So that's, that's, I think one of the biggest challenge, I think in expatriations, maybe sometimes it's not so much adapting to the new culture, but actually how do we mirror who we are with, with how we transform over time in our identity. And I think that's, um, there's a transformation. We're never the same people once we have gone out. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. I, I love the way you said that. I love the way you bring the, the experience and the identity together because you can't, you can't separate those two things, right? Um, and, and yet one impacts the other and, one, and, they, and they mold and they shift and they change together. They, they impact each other all the way through. 
what you were saying is, oh, I want to take this experience, um, example of I am a triangle, Nomad Nation, if you don't know this platform, yeah. I'll put it in the show note page of this episode. I am a triangle. I also interviewed the founder, Naomi Hathaway. And I love that uh, metaphor of saying, you know, you are a square before you leave. You go to a circle and you're no more a square, but you're not a circle either. You become a triangle. Right. So I think that's yeah. uh, that's probably one of the biggest challenges I think of, of transition is not so much the transition, although there's a huge part of adaptation, but more like how we are transitioning in who we are as a person right. and in our values. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our yeah. values are really challenged somehow. Absolutely. I think, and I think there's something just truly magical about seeing your values. Um, what those core values that were, that were put into you wherever and however you grew up, but then every transition gives you an opportunity to see yourself through the lenses of a, of a different place, uh, and a different people and a different set of values. And, and it doesn't always, destroy your values it doesn't always change your values but it tests them it it challenges them it uh it, it makes you think uh, like are these values are they as absolutely important as i have always thought they were and and always been taught that they were uh and there's just something really rich about that, that like that's when it it gets good when you can start um, when your identity is is stretched by the identities of the people around you, and then you start connecting with them and seeing them, because when you were back here looking at them, you you had to make the jump, you had to make the assumption based on all of the information that was given you. But now you have a relationship, and now you have made a friend, and uh, and it it stretches and challenges everything that you thought you knew before. Mm. And and to me, that is one of the the great rich, wonderful experiences of life is, is growing through that transition and, and becoming a different version of yourself um, time and time again. And I think that's something we have to accept in a way and embrace. Um, but it's not that easy, I have to say. Uh, Jerry, I want to share with you this, what happened to me. I, I remember four years ago, I was going, like I said, through a difficult transition. And, yeah. and I realized now with this conversation with you that Actually, this transition was difficult because it was challenging me uh, in my values. Mm. But even worse than that, I was realizing, how to say, I think I was actually interviewed on a podcast where I was explaining that. Um, uh, let me find a way to phrase it. It's so complex. But basically... I have been raised and born abroad. I've never lived more than four. Actually, my passport country, which is not anymore my passport country, by the way, um, I only lived there for four years. <laughs> and yeah. and my, my parents' country. Here we go. Let's say I only lived four years in my parents' country, and which is my country. But I've, anyhow. And what has happened, my identity as a person was all about adaptation was all yeah. about adapting to the others. So I would I would metamorphose, I would be a chameleon and adapt to the values of wherever I was. And then here mm. I am arriving in my 30s in a city where I thought I was back to my like values and then I realized, but actually what are my values? Right. I don't know. I, I was So really, what'd you find out? What'd you discover? I just dis oh God. We're not going into therapy, are we? <laughs> this, <laughs> um, just a question. No. So I 
I had to work hard on this question. Where are my values? Because I have spent my whole life adapting my values to others. Um, and I th think the biggest uh, learning lesson was for me was to say, first of all, it's okay if it's not clear. Yeah. It's actually it does, yeah, that's oh that's so good. It's okay. It, the, actually yeah. how I I learned to embrace the grayness of like mm. it can't be black or white. It's gray and and I just make sure that with the people I trust that I make sure that they know that I'm looking for that. I'm like I have a friend yeah. in, in New York and poor girl, she's like a, an American from Cincinnati and she she's amazing. And I would keep telling her, you know, I'm really struggling with knowing how to behave in certain situations because it's against some things I'm comfortable with. So please bear with me because I'm learning how to deal with this. Right. I'm learning how to behave in when when things are not working for me somehow. So that was the first thing. And the second, at the end of the day, for me, it was like, at the end of the day, there's one value that should be universal is respect and care for others. And as long as yeah. everything I do is based on that, I should not get too, um, yeah, I should be safe in a way. If I just try to focus when I struggle on that. So... So far, that's as far as I got. <laughs> it's still a work in progress. Yeah, so but I have to say, being a Muslim myself um, and coming from such a bit, I had to work a lot on all my values and, and decide that there are certain things that I would not accept is when respect is not there or I see that somebody is really careless. But the rest, especially nowadays with the polarization and everything, I'm learning a lot that it's time to listen more than talk. And that's... Yeah. That can also be done. Yeah, that's, that's so good. It's so good because like, as you're, as you're talking, I think the thing that jumps out to me is um, like, yes, at the core, there's this, that like there, there's this respect that has to be there. And when that falls apart, everything else falls apart. That's mm -hmm. where, that's where all of our challenges come from, right? That's where the, the foreigner who goes into a new country and tries to take over and tries to do things his or her own way and, and tries to force uh, a local culture to, to bend themselves and shape them themselves around their culture because they can't handle the, uh, the change and the transition. That's a mess. Uh, it's, and, and it goes deeper than that. It's where, it's where hate and, and racism and bigotry and, and all of that. Um, when, when respect crumbles, all of that stuff happens, but then when you're only looking at the surface, we all express respect in different ways. Uh, and, and so it's not as easy as just saying respect me because the way that I was taught to respect people and the way that I, it was demanded that I respect people. Mm. And so it's, it's packed into my core, into the core of who I am. Um, the actions that I used to express that are different than another culture. And so when they do something that expresses respect in the way that they were taught and it was packed into their core, sometimes I read it as, as disrespect. And so I, th I think one of the key pieces of respect is, is what you're saying, just sit down and listen first, start, start listening, start embracing your own ignorance um, not because, not stupidity, but, but just the fact that we don't know, uh, and sit down and listen until we, we begin to know and begin to understand and recognize, um, recognize that, that what this, 
what's what's actually happening it may actually be respect it may not be as disrespectful as it as it feels i think one great example is is something that we see here in the international school uh experiences we'll have often western teachers who come over and we have a lot of um I won't name the country, but Asian students um, and and the way that they see respect is, is completely different. And so the teacher will um, have a, a student who is misbehaving. Mm. Uh, he'll say, hey, go out into the hallway and I'll come talk to you in a minute. And then he comes out and, and talks and and the student just looks straight at the ground and will not will not look at him. Uh, and and he says, now, you need to look me in the eyes when I'm talking to you. Look me in the eyes. And they so they glance up and they look right back down. That's the sign of respect and, in, in China. Yeah. And well, the, but the teacher is getting furious because they won't look him in the eyes. And and yet what's been packed into them all of their life is you don't ever look an elder in the eye. You don't look your teacher in the eye. That's a sign of disrespect. And so we're looking at exactly the same thing, respect, and we see something completely different. And the only way past that is, is it's, it's listening over time. Right. You, you can't you can learn a little bit about that at the at the conference, at the seminar. And it's good. It's good to to the training is good to kind of tell you what to be aware of. But from that, you've got to be willing to, to just shut up and listen mm-hmm. and uh, and continue to hear over time and notice those things when they feel terrible. That's something to pay attention to. That's a point I wanted to bring up, but I'm glad that you talk about this, that, you know, when we talk about um, asking quite at the beginning or saying, ask questions, find friends to understand how things work. Yeah. I think we need also awareness to know I'm being challenged here and I'll realize it. So it's, yeah. and when we, yeah. it's very important that we stay alert while we're going through a transition, adapting to a new country, new culture, that we stay consciously, at least for a while, alert that everything that we are absorbing is is going to be processed without the basics we have. And we need to be right. aware about that so that we realize that maybe it's not the way we think it is. Like, like yeah. give the example of this boy. So another thing that helped me was to use a method that's more for nonviolent communication. But when we say listen asking questions also or saying, you know, if something bothers us, I would, I try, it's not easy always to think about it. If it's really, if you're pissed off and it bothers you, but it's like, say, I'm feeling this way right now. Could you please help me understand that this is the way it is? I feel like, for example, actually I had this conversation today where I was like, I'm having constructions at home and it's been four months, nothing is moving. I'm like, I'm feeling very, confused of the reasons why this is happening could you please help me understand why it's taking so long i would really need your help to understand (laughs) i know but it's like um asking questions i guess and making the other one aware that you are confused and need help to process and decode the situation in a way yeah that's that's so good and the there's so many, I, I think there's so many misconceptions about questions that we have. Uh, I think sometimes we have to, we feel like we have to uh, kind of construct the perfect question so we can achieve the perfect answer. Uh, and that, that honestly, I think that's where a lot of things fall apart. I think 
the challenge with answers is, is once someone gives you an answer, no matter how qualified they are, if they feel more qualified than you, um, you think you've got the answer. And so you stop asking questions, but there's so much more to it. There's always so much more to it. And so when we move, when we move to another culture, there's just lots of things that don't make sense. And so we find the safest place to go ask a question. So for, for me, oftentimes that's another expat. That's somebody who has been here a little bit longer than me and who, but because they speak my language, because they know me, because they know how to talk to me and I'll go ask them a question like, why, why do they do that? Why is too big of a question? for anyone to answer, let alone this other foreigner who's just been here slightly longer than me. Um, and, and so I, I ask them why, and they tell me why. And so now I think I've got it. And, and what the, all that's happened is they've transferred their bias into me. Mm-hmm. And now I move along as if I understand all of the workings of this new culture. Uh, and, and things continue not to make sense, but I can put that stamp on it. I can say, oh, well, that is because because this guy told me about it. And that's a, that's a terrible way to, um, to move forward. I, I, I think if you're going to ask the question, why then, then commit to asking why a hundred times to a hundred different people, mm. and then it will start to become a little bit more clear and just recognize that you're never going to fully grasp the, the nuance of why that's um, it's too big, but how you can. About, how about asking how instead of why? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, how, what, when, mm-hmm. like, uh, cause for me, why means and, you have to justify why this is this way. Although right, yeah, we can't yeah. justify that a culture does that instead of that, but rather yeah. is how do you do it in the best way? I would right. see that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, and we want to know the deep, the stuff that is thousands of years old yeah. and comes from deep philosophers and great thinkers and powerful leaders and, and wars and uh, like stuff that has been shaped over time throughout centuries. And we want this one person to tell us why mm-hmm. uh, in, in a few sentences, please. So we can, <laughs> so we can understand that. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just, it, to me, it's, it's much more, and it's kind of like, uh, as you began, like how has our transition been? Well, our, our transition has been, um, ongoing. It's been multiple things over several years. And that's, that's kind of how our understanding goes is, uh, I can understand more by asking this one person. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying don't talk to the other expats because they do know more than you. But, um, but there's also more to it and there's more to understand and there's, there's more people to talk to yeah. uh, and there's different ways of looking at it. So from what we've been sharing here, what I extract from it is that we can already see the complexity of it and it's really hard to simplify this in simple yeah. takeaways. But it's funny yeah. because I think we're circling back to where we started by making fun of your job that it's not necessary (laughs) because actually what it's telling me right now, this conversation, it is so complex that we have to actually get to learn the codes of the countries where we're moving to. I think that would be the first thing. Like let's learn at least what's easy to learn. Some of the simple Mm -hmm. customs and codes. And I do strongly believe we're not doing it enough. We're not preparing enough our moves and getting to learn at least the basics of the codes for example with the eye contact with the body language with yeah yeah 
And then Absolutely. back home, being aware that we're not the center of attention and, mm. and that uh, back home, we also need to relearn, relearn again the codes because I think we get to forget those codes. We've switched, right? We, we did that thing where, and, and again, like I want to reiterate or maybe iterate if we haven't said it already that um, we've noticed a tremendous difference in the people on our teams uh, and the, the people who go through training, the people who are prepared to coming in uh, versus the people who don't get that training. It is a, it is night and day mm. and it makes such a huge difference, but it doesn't make them experts coming in. Uh, it gives them a foundation to start asking questions and, and to start, to start building their understanding. And if we can set them up in training uh, as, as people who are, who are incessantly curious and, and just, realize that this is going to be ongoing and, and ever-changing, mm. then they're set up to do this really well. The people who are not prepared for that um, have, a, have a really hard time. But you can get that training. You can get the, uh, the training about the, the body language and all of that. And you can, you can make, begin to make the adjustments in your mind so that when it happens, it throws up this red flag and it's confusing and it, it, it makes you frustrated. But you're like, oh, that's that's what they were talking about, exactly. and you can know it. But then it takes it takes multiple exposures to that, sometimes months and years, for you to to make the adjustments necessary to not feel the same uh, the same frustration because in in your core that means something different. Um, and then you, when you repatriate, when you go back to a familiar place, um, you've switched your coding. And you and and now you're doing things a different way, and they're doing it the way they always have, or the way that you used to, and it's it's strange again, mm. right? And so even being prepared for that, we do training for our staff as they leave our company and and prepare them to to leave well as well. Yeah, that's so preparation to arrive and preparation to leave. Um, mm. So basically, training is important. We just saved your job. Very good. <laughs> Thank you so much. But uh, and I would close. say I would say let's get prepared <laughs> for arrival for departure, but also let's be aware of it in the midst of it because there's something yeah. happening yeah. in the middle, which means transformation. It means that we are transforming yeah. as a person, and we just have to embrace it because our values are transforming and who we are is transforming. Yeah. We have to embrace it. That's the good stuff. Uh, that's yeah. the good stuff. But I have, uh, before we end this interview and this amazing exchange that could be endless, um, uh, I actually have a very difficult question, but I'm going to try because we see how difficult it is to build our identity and rebuild it and know our values and what we stand for. Um, how do we do it then when we have kids to raise? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing it? Because you're the perfect, I don't know. How, you're the perfect example <laughs> of living on the move, multiple identity, plus you have two kids who are adopted from cross countries, and the, you know it's just yeah. an amazing cross culture mixture that you have in your own family. So how do you share and build your family values and culture through that? Yeah, that's man, Amel. That's such a good question. Um, I, I, my first year in China, a guy was he shared an illustration with me, and he said, uh, he said airline pilots spend I forget what the number was, but it was it was really high. It was like eighty three percent of their time off course, and so they're 
They're constantly doing this. Mm. Um, and that it doesn't make sense because if you're like, if you're a little bit off course at the beginning of the journey, then you land at a different airport. You don't even get close because the farther out you go, it, it just, it spreads farther and farther apart. And so his, his question that he was proposing was then how do you, how do you always end up at the airport that you're supposed to go to? <laughs> and the answer is there's, there's a constant course correction. There's like, I'm a little bit off here and, mm. and I bring it back and I bring it back. And I think more than anything, there's, there's lots of answers. Um, to the the question that you just asked, but it's too complex and it's too hard. And the reality is that, uh, that we all struggle with this. And as, as parents, like if you're the perfect parent, then don't talk to me. I don't, I I really don't want to hear about it. And none of the rest of us do either, uh, because we're all struggling and it's hard. And, and so I think, um, the, the constant recognition that as we go through these multiple transitions and these multiple, because even if you, if you're living cross-culturally and you stay in one place, everything changes around you much more than it, than it does um, where I come from for sure. Uh, so we're going through this journey together as a family and, and things keep changing and we just have to keep coming back to our center. We have to keep coming back to the things that we, we know are absolutely true, the, the things that we value for our family. And we have to so keep asking do, how questions. Do you, how do you define that? What do you value for your family? Yeah. What is it that um, you value for your family? We value a, a stability in, oh. the, <laughs> in, in the chaos. Um, wow. Yeah. And that sounds, it sounds completely contradictory to the lifestyle that that we have chosen, right? We, but the, because there is no stability in our geography. It it keeps changing. There's no stability in our, uh, there's, there's some stability in our community, but that keeps changing as well. Every year we say goodbye to a lot of people, 30, 30 plus people from our team in our city left just last year. And those are our friends. Those are the people that we love and that we're doing community with. And so that's always changing. And so how do you find stability in that? Um, Stability comes from the, from the inside out. And so the routines that we do with our kids uh, stay the same, whether we are in China or in America, or if we're traveling somewhere else, if we move to Mars, um, the routines stay the same. The traditions, uh, they, they have to shift a little bit. They change. But the, we, we keep the core uh, the same. And we find little pieces. So one, one of the things that we do is, is pizza and popcorn for family night. And, and, we, and we, come, we come back and we'll, um, if we go someplace where that's not as easy to find, we do the best that we can and we come back. Right now, we haven't had popcorn for a while. We, it's, it's just been pizza. But my kids will always know that when popcorn and pizza are together, there's something special about the bond for our family. And I want my kids 20 years to now to finish the sentence. When I was a kid, we always had pizza and popcorn for family night. And I want that. I want to think through how do I want them to answer that question in different ways? When I was a kid, we always, or when I was a kid, we never, and that's where um, the stability comes yeah. from. Uh, we, we did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so finding those things that don't ever change um, is, is a great way to, to point 
to the values. So what, what do we want to express to our kids about our faith? What do we want to express to our kids about our family, about community, about relationships, about, about all of that? And sometimes we do that really, really, really well. And other times we don't. And we have to, we have to keep coming back. And so we, we reinstitute those same conversations between my wife and I, and we, uh, you know, we, we have that conversation often. Hey, we're a little off track here. How do we, um, how do we pull this back? We're, we've gotten into this rut. We've gotten into this place um, because the reality of life in constant transition or life cross-culturally is that it's still life, right? It still, still has the same characteristics of any other life. And, and that's it. I mean, the dishes still have to be done. You still have to eat. You still, it's, it's not all the, the glamor of, yeah. of cross-cultural stuff. It's just life. And yeah. so we got to so keep way, that on track. That, that was so interesting. I loved how you shared your personal experience with the pizza and popcorn, for example. It's just so great. Um, for me, basically, I, that's definitely a great insight to think about what are the traditions and routines you can build on the moves that don't depend on your environment. Yeah. What is the yeah, so easy to implement that can that has less chances to to be challenged if you if you move to another environment. So that's yeah. a great thing. And the second thing I would say I would extract from what you said is leave the space to readjust to uh, have those, like it's not a one-time thing. You have to constantly right. uh, take the temperature and say how we're doing on this and have a conversation within the family. How are we doing? What can we improve? And that's the beauty of it at the end of the day, to always be yeah, aware exactly. about how we're evolving in the midst of this. Yeah, and in, in all of that, you're giving yourself the, the freedom and the grace to mess up because all of us do. And okay. we, all, we all get off track, we all make mistakes. Um, there is no expert that can tell you how to do this perfectly because we're just not perfect people. Uh, and so when you mess up, there's got to be the space to, to come back to, to center and not just to, uh, to, to say, oh, well, we've, we've messed it all up. Um, but to, to get back to what you have always known is, is core and essential. Yeah. And I would, I would, this is so great. I would also add, I guess I don't have kids, but as I haven't been myself a kid, leaving space for them to know that they can talk about whatever yeah. is bothering them and 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 communicate and negotiate things regularly. Yeah. So that to make sure that yeah. everybody finds their own way of dealing with with the transitions and building their identity yeah. on the move. So that's um, mm. that's definitely. But I think that you had I I checked in your website and I saw some amazing uh, little. Um, ebooks and games and questions yeah. that I thought were so well done. So can you tell us about, uh, I'm not sure about the title anymore. I think it was 99 questions and then you had an activity yeah. book. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Cause I found that really useful. Um, I actually want to try it out. It was really cool. Those games and things like that. So let us tell me about the 99 questions. And then I think you also had another one with some games or creative ideas. I don't remember the title. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a couple things, and I, I just I, I see those as things that I get to do. I I love um, thinking through how do we do this more effectively, and and how do we help people do that. And so the the idea behind the there's two two questions. One called uh, or two questions. Sorry, there's two resources. One called 99 Questions for Global Friends, 
and the other one, 99 questions for global families. Mm -hmm. And they're just, it's just that it's just 99 questions. And the idea is so simple that, that a lot of times I think the question that we want to understand is the, and especially as a, as a, an interculturalist, as a, as someone who thinks about this stuff all the time, we want to dig deep into the, uh, the, the pieces of culture. And so we want to pull out all of the big words that we know about crossing cultures uh, and tell us about, Tay, tell us about personal space and, and, um, and, and power dynamics and, and all of those things. But sometimes the magic happens when you, when you just ask, Hey, how do you, how do you prepare a meal? Uh, and, and if, if, if you sit and ask that question with someone from a different place, uh, the, what you get is a really fun conversation first you get to, you get insight into their life, but then you start learning all of those questions that you had about, uh, about culture, about the deep culture stuff, because you learn about family and you learn about relationships and you learn about food and you learn about, uh, what, what's exciting, what's not exciting, what the challenges are. You learn about the roles of, of men and women in a culture and you learn about who cooks the meal, who, what they, what they talk about when they cook the meal and all of that it's it's just like this explosion of culture Those questions are but it so, was yeah they're, they're so interesting yeah. and actually it leads to interesting conversations so i really recommend it to check it out absolutely so there's one for yeah. the families and one yeah one can you go- the one for the family was just I, like i was i was i recognized this is one of those off track moments was um, I recognize that the question I'm asking my kids always is, Hey, how was your day? And that was it. And we would just leave it at that. And, and we would just kind of walk through that. And I, I'm recognizing, man, they're having this wonderful, amazing cross-cultural experience. This is my job. I teach people, I teach other people to do this and to, to connect with people who are doing this, but I'm missing my, I'm missing how my kids are processing this. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to be able to see what's behind their eyeballs a little bit <clears throat> and, and see uh, how they're processing this experience. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's, again, it's 99 very simple questions. Uh, but if you sit and listen to your kids, you'll understand them more and they're, the, the, the way that they see this world. It's fascinating, really. So I really encourage you, Nomad Nation, to check it out. I think it's on your website is the culture. Yes, yeah. Can you theculturablend.com? Theculturablend.com. Yeah. All, all smashed together. All smashed yeah. together. Nomad Nation, you want to go there and download those 99 questions. And also you have an interesting activity, creative activity book on creative activities. Sorry. I don't, what was the title of that ebook? It's been a while, Amel. I don't know. Um, creative abroad. Maybe it's, it's just, it's just some fun, fun little things that. One example um, of yeah. an activity just. To- oh, so, so um, taking, having a conversation with your kids and figuring out what are your family values? What are those core pieces? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then making a family flag uh, because flags are expressions of the, the personality of a nation and the values of a nation. Uh, and so as you, as you discover what your values are as a family, make your own flag and, and put symbols on it and, and do that as a, as a family and then, and then fly it proud. Oh my That's God. one example. This is amazing. So Nomad Nation, you want to check that out, theculturablend.com. And I was like, uh, so excited when I heard the family flag, because I want to share with you a little story. Um, when my husband, uh, proposed, my first concern among on top of my career, I was like, I know what it 
what it's going to be. And I don't want that anyhow. But the second thing was like, how am I going to manage this married to an Austrian, Algerian Muslim brought up in different countries? Where do we have kids? Right. How are we going to do this? You know. And, sure. and when we got married, I said to my husband, I have an idea. I really want us to have a symbol for what we mm. stand for before we get married. So we worked together That's and good. we discussed our values for a few hours. And what happened is that we made our wedding rings out of this symbol. Wow. So, so yeah, good. actually. I have so it. you see it every day. Yeah, we yeah. see it every day. I said, and this is, we both wear it as a symbol of our values. And uh, if we have kids, then we'll make sure that they'll have it too. So that we can build our own tradition and our own flag of what we stand for. And it's actually a migrant bird around the globe. Oh, wow. That's, wow, that's, that's so good. Yeah, so you can see it here. There we go. <laughs> Oh, wow. I and, love it. Um, yeah. So I really, rec- I love that you talked about that because I really think it, every time we're like in those moments where we question, we remember ourselves by just looking at that ring that we were both wearing. Right. Um, and it, it leads also to really interesting conversations with people. So just to. So good. So Nomad Nation, check that out. The culture brand, lots of interesting activities like these that you can do to, um, to, to make the best of this experience, you know, and turn this challenge into an opportunity. Like I like to say, opportunity to have fun, opportunities to learn, to grow, and and to make the best of every single experience we have. Um, but tell me, Jerry, before we say goodbye, what would be your last message you want to share here about this topic of transition and building our identity uh, along the way with our family? Yeah, I. it is so hard uh, that's not it. That's not my point yet. Um, <laughs> it is too hard to. That's. I mean, that's, is it too that's hard to do it, or is it too hard to summarize? No, 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 no. That, I'm. I'm getting to. I'm getting to the point. Um, the the the. It's 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 so hard, um, but it is so hard because it is so good, and oh. and those two things are are tied together. The saying goodbye every year that it just sucks. Like there's no way around that. There's it doesn't get easier. Um, it's hard to let go, but, but the reality is saying goodbye to those people hurts because those relationships have been so good because you went deep in a short amount of time and you did life in a hard place and in a hard way. And, um, I, like, I just, I think there is something so rich about the experience. I I wouldn't trade this for anything. And so if you're on the edge of, of thinking, should I do this? I'm the guy who will push you over that edge and say, absolutely do it. If you are in the middle of it and it's hard, um, I'm the guy who would say, hang on and press through this hard bit. Uh, because it, it's it's really hard because it's really good. And even if you are the person who has come through it um, and and been broken and hurt, sometimes it, it doesn't always come around, right? Sometimes it, it just stays hard. Uh, but there are life things that are built into you. There are experiences and there are, there are things that come out of that that set you up to do the rest of life, no matter where you do it, really, really well. And so I'm a big fan of of life abroad and cross-cultural everything. And it's hard because it's good. That's so beautiful. I don't want to add a single word after this. There's no better way to finish this Mm. episode. So Nomad Nation, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Jerry Jones and check out his uh, blog on thecultureblend.com. I love the way you write, Jerry. It's um, You have such a beautiful way to put this together and really actually 
take this into very practical um, ideas like the questions and the games. So uh, Nomad Nation, check it out. My pleasure. This has been great. Thank you. Nomad Nation, I'll see you the next episode and stay tuned to turn your challenges into wonderful opportunities.